champion. Welcome to the third of these podcasts between um, Blender and Reasons to be Cheerful. And um, this is a lovely conversation and then performance from Low Girl. And Low Girl were one of the one of the artists that you included on your EP that I bought a year ago that introduced me to you as a person, Neil. And um, and I think you described it, and I would also agree. It was probably it was pr- for me. It was the probably the standout track on that EP. How did how did you meet Low Girl? Yeah, so we met um, Low Girl at a gig that we put on. So we used to run some uh, pop up record shops in town, um, and a friend of ours, Gareth, uh, who was managing uh, Low Girl at the time, said, "Look, you've just got to check this girl out. She's utterly incredible. I think she's." She has a lightness of touch, a vulnerability about her sound. She's a multi-instrumentalist. So, so we, you know, we, we put her on this um, uh, pop-up record shop that we used to run, saw her play. I just totally fell in love with her sound. I, I totally fell, fell in love with what she was doing. Um, and then I, I went the following day to watch her play again, a gig down at the Bear Club in Luton. We've seen her career you know, really rise up from there. Again, she's got a really loyal following and she's put some amazing records out. Uh, and as you say, we're really lucky to work with her on the first Blender Selects record. Uh, and she's going places, Mark. You know, she's she's really, really stellar. She's on a stellar uh, rise, I think, through her career. And we just want to really keep a careful eye on her. Well, they've been on... I mean, I know, I know she was played by Steve Lamack, wasn't she, on Radio 6? And there feels to be a bit of a buzz going on, um, which which is... Number one, geographically, it's great to see a buzz from Bedford, right? I can't remember what was that. What was that? Who's your who's Bedford's most famous musical export? Well, the apart from having Hendrix play at the old cinema, and I couldn't say that Hendrix was a Bedford uh, Bedford boy. Uh, <laughs> probably, to be honest, probably the Choir Boys. So if you remember, oh, yeah, eighties kind of rockers, the Choir Boys are pretty big, big from our town. And there's another band called Don Broco, so sort of pretty heavy kind of guitar-based band. So that's probably our two biggest exports, but you know, Low Girl or, or Sarah, you know, she's she's from a town close to us, um, and just I just think there's so much more to come from her. I think she's got a great band around her now. She's got some really good management, um, and she's got some amazing records. I think that are just in the can, ready to come out. So yeah, like we say, we're going to keep a close eye on what she does, and we just wish her all the best. So we look forward to hearing more from Low Girl in this episode. This is Sarah. Oh, low girl. So, Sarah, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Firstly, um, you've you've changed recently changed your name. Yes. Well, um, not personally, but no, just the band name. Um, we found that Sarah was impossible to find because it's such a common name. So we just thought we'd switch up a bit. <laughs> well, it's definitely helped me out because being called Sarah in a band called Sarah. Yeah, that was so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> So just very briefly, because I'm sure there's people uh, on the chat today and, and maybe they're catching up a little bit later on that they, you know, they might not have heard the music yet. And I think mm-hmm. partly, obviously, why we're here is to, is to, to change that. Can you just explain um, who's in the band and maybe is in a short sort of sentence how you would categorise the music that you write and make? Uh, so at the moment, it is me and my best buddy Toby, Toby Morgan, who is a illustrator and animator as well, but he also does a lot of the piano and production side of things. And then we've got my brother, Tom, who looks quite a lot like Jesus, and he actually has a tally of how many times complete strangers have come up to him and 
alerted him to that fact, uh, and it's on 28 at the moment. Um, <laughs> and that's Tom. And, and counting. Um, yes, and counting. And then um, there's also our buddy Brad, who has just rejoined, and he is on the base at the moment. Cool. Um, so, Sarah, the f- I think the first time that that I saw you play was... Well, I was trying to think actually back the other day. I, I've got a feeling that w- one of the things that we did at Blender a while back was we ran some pop-up record shops and as part of that yeah. because we thought no one really wants to go and look at the first pressing of like a Judas Priest record without you know hearing some live music. So we put some music on. And I think a friend of ours, Gareth, who, Gareth Barber, who runs Esquires and, and now manages you, he'd said, I think he'd said to us that, you know, he'd started working with you, had seen your, your set and that he really recommended that you come and play for us. And I, I can't quite remember what it was, but I do remember watching you play and being like totally mesmerised and it's super humble music. It's super, I don't know, it, it, it's really fragile. It's exceptionally light touch when you play it. And I don't, you might not know this, but I think the following day you played another gig in, at the Bear Club in Luton. Yeah, I remember you came to that as well. Yeah, I, I was a bit of a fanboy, <laughs> um, to be honest. So, yeah, so that was the first time that we saw you play. And to watch you grow and to hear your stand develop has been like utterly amazing. And I just can't wait to kind of see what happens for you next. Well, so before you. I you know, don't want to get too gushy, but um, I've got some quick fire questions for you so that one, I can get to, you know, ask the questions that I always kind of want to ask artists, but without feeling like I'm stalking people. Mm-hmm. And then um, also that people in the meeting can get to kind of know a little bit more about where your, where your kind of sensibilities are so it's kind of quite quick fire and um i'm gonna just say that maybe it's just a one word answer so okay. that would be nice to, and don't be cool don't sort of say well my first gig was led zeppelin um i was backstage you know it's, if it was the tweenies at but actually leisure center yeah. it's that's the one it's gonna that. be mm-hmm. yeah cool so these are quick fire questions for you so what was your first single that you bought um it's all about you by mcfly the red nose day special <laughs> do you still you still got it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, first album uh sergeant pepper yeah oh, damn you that's way too cool i know uh, first, i'm sorry yeah first gig you went to it was actually um paul mccartney genuinely <laughs> i really used to like you sarah but i'm, I'm sorry i really like paul mccartney see me <laughs> I would never do that. Um, the first stereo or your music playing device that you had, we had to change that question because we were a bit concerned that because Mark and I are of a little bit of a different generation, you might not have had a first stereo. Yeah, I did I, I did read that question and then see the bracket and was like, oh, okay, I understand now. I think it was a CD Walkman probably. What colour was it? Silver, classic. Always. Uh, what was the first band you fell in love with? Uh, probably McFly, genuinely. I, I was obsessed with them when I was a kid. And what was the first song you fell in love to? Um, Switzerland by Soccer Mummy. Cool. More recently. <laughs> yeah, that's a more recent one. It's a good one. Um, the first disco that you went to, that's an odd question. Um, I think probably we had a lot of primary school discos, uh, so probably one in year three, but I... Um, got stood up by my date what yeah do you know who can you remember who that was i'm gonna hunt i can remember very well it was timothy moss if anyone wants to go out there and get him (laughs) be my guest 
Well, he's lost, <laughs> Sarah, yeah. He's lost, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Um, what's the first song you can remember dancing to? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Lizzie McGuire movie, but uh, there was a song called Hey Now. Absolute bop. Loved it. <laughs> um, and the first time music blew your mind? Uh, I think uh, my dad showed me Roundabout by Yes, and it was just like, Whoa, you know? Yeah. Cool. Very intense. Um, first instrument you picked up? Um, piano, which is a heavy instrument to pick up. Maybe we should rephrase that question. What was the first instrument you learned to play? Uh, yeah, I, was, I, I had piano lessons when I was uh, yeah. wee, a wee gal. Did you have to take your piano to the lessons every week then, Sarah? Was that the Yeah, my parents made me carry a giant grand piano on my back Damn. and sort of left me out on the street to make my own <laughs> Um, what was the first song you learned? And I'm guessing it was on the piano. Um, I think I do distinctly remember playing Walking in the Air. So probably that. That's a that's a tearjerker. Yeah, I love, love sad songs, so. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, what's the first track you wrote, Sarah? It was a terrible song called London Bird. It was, it was so terrible, but I remember all of it and all its terribleness. Is it still available for, um, have you taken it down? Mm, I never put it out. I never put it out. I just, I know it in my head back there. Um, do you think there might be a chance it might turn up on a, B, a rarities B-side thing in about 10 years' time? I won't do that to anyone, don't worry. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. I feel like I'm, I know more about you <laughs> now than I did about three minutes ago. So thank you for that. Um, so we're going to um, play the track that you've chosen uh, by, by Wonder of, of Technology.
And two or three things I loved about it. Number one, Lucy and Yak jumpsuits. Absolutely ace. Yes. Did you get a discount? Can you get me no, one? I, I want didn't. One. I want one in but pink. They, they did like the post, but... No, no Lucy and Yak discount as of yet. Oh, they've grown. They're one. They're one of the kind of big, big growth companies over the lockdown. It's quite well. It's been longer than that. It's really interesting. Second thing I love about it, when you were when you were driving the bus mm-hmm. car, your feet were running like Fred Flintstone in the Flintstone. Yeah. <laughs> That was a very last-minute decision because we realised people could see our feet, so we were like... Yeah. It was brilliant. It really, it really made me chuckle enormously. <laughs> it was brilliant. And I love... I, the, the, the cutouts are amazing. It's fab. But look, um, why did you choose this track to talk about? What was it about this track, of all your tracks, of all of the music you've produced, what was it about this one that, that made you want to talk about it today? I think it's um, the track we're probably most proud of. Um and everything that went into it, we've just put so much effort into the song itself and then also that video. We like spent ages making those props and, you know, planning out the storyboard and all of those things. So yeah, we're just really proud of it. That's brilliant. And then, you know, what does it represent to you? Or I mean, maybe talk me through the track. What, 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 what's the, talk me for the lyrics. <laughs> um, and I'm really, I, what, what I'm fascinated in is it's not the end product. I love the end product. I'm really interested in the process, and everyone's process is different. But how do you? So, so maybe we start generically. Let's start specifically. How did you write that track? And then, how do you write your music generally? I think it was James Joyce who said, "In the particular lies the universal." So I'm really interested. We'll start with the particular, and we'll work up. It was James yeah. Joyce. Yeah. Um. So that track we wrote. Um. It was quite unusual because I usually write by myself, but this time it was with um, my brother and uh, the keyboard player, so drums, keyboards, and me. And um, Toby was playing this really stupid synth sound on his piano that sounded like a choir of people laughing, so that's what it originally sounded like. And then um, I just started singing along, pretending to be Julian Casablanca's and kind of doing a Strokes impression. And Tom started playing the drums, and I was like, oh, this actually sounds quite good. I recorded it on my phone, and then... It's pretty much unchanged from there. But um, I was kind of channeling frustration because it was the very beginning of the pandemic and people were hoarding toilet paper and there were all these sad pictures of people not being able to get toilet paper and it was kind of about toilet paper. Yeah. That's amazing. And what happened to Julian Casablanca? I mean, I, I know he's released albums after The Strokes, but nothing came close to no. This Is It. Absolutely, nearly perfect album, in yeah. my humble opinion. And my brother still listens. Um, I think my brother really likes The Voids, which is the other band that he did. But um, some of that stuff is pretty, pretty out there. Amazing. Well, I, I don't know, so I'll have a. I will have a listen. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And is that how? So I mean, I, I love this whole idea of riffing. And it's. It, I went to a great talk once by um, the bass player whose name I can't remember um, from Radiohead. Um, they're not my. It's not my bag, right? But I appreciate they're brilliant at what they do. And he talked about how they wrote their album, and they said they'd. They'd been looking and listening to a lot of Public Enemy, which, if you can imagine, I got this image of them all sat around a Oxfordshire dining table, listening, <laughs> move over for Nick, Sorry. listening to Public Enemy um, bring the noise, right? I've, and I just love the whole idea of Radiohead Goes Rap. But they, they wanted to write the album in the same way. So they took a, they all, each took a sampler and went and recorded loads and loads of things and then came and put it on the same kitchen table. And they all pressed play and started to riff along. And I, and I kind of love that, um, that whole idea of creating music through sampling and patching yeah is that how you normally create music as a as a as a band or do you have a different type of process 
usually I will write the entire song and then I will bring it to Toby, the keyboard player, because I can write, but I'm not so good at like getting my ideas out sound wise. So he will then create this ambient soundscape and we're always really on the sound same page with like how we want it to sound. And um, he will make it sort of come to life in that way. Then I'll take it to my brother because I do not understand drumming at all. And then he'll make it all edgy and cool. And then Brad just makes everything sound like way cooler as well because he's amazing at the bass and really good at coming up with riffs and then we it kind of goes through that process every time and then you get the finished product so yeah that's the normal I, thing i love that so when you say you write the song you write the lyrics or you, or you write are you actually writing the melody and are you writing you're doing the whole thing yeah i i melody is like the most important thing to me like when i listen to other music as well so um i always start with that then i write the lyrics and then we just it goes along the little factory line <laughs> I really like that because I mean, when when the Smiths, when the I mean the Smiths, you know, Morrissey's not the man that we all thought he was, sadly. No. But um, <laughs> him and him and him and well, he's broke he broke my heart. I mean, genuinely, it, I, mm -hmm. I can't I can't begin to tell you. Him and Lance Armstrong, not together, but him and Lance Armstrong <laughs> broke my heart. But um, when he, when the Smiths wrote music, so Morrissey would write the lyric. And he'd, and he'd send it to Mar. I think things had become really dysfunctional after about album one. And, uh, and he would give the entire lyric to Mar, and Mar would then turn it into something utterly amazing. And, and I can see... Oh, someone's got their... Oh, it's you, I think. It's all right, I've got an echo. I can hear myself. I mean, I love me, but I don't love me that much. Um, and I, and I kind of like passing the bat, and I, 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 can, I can feel the sense in, in that. But, but what you're doing is a little bit more integrated. At what point in the process do you get in the same room, normally, maybe not, not, not pandemic-wise, what, what point in the process do you all get in the same room together? I think um, it's after me and Toby have worked on it a bit. Um, because then we can kind of refine the idea a bit more and kind of decide on a direction and then we bring it to the other boys and then we figure out how we're going to make it a live performance and translate that on a stage for example so, so you start with a live performance in mind rather than because I mean Duran Duran are amazing and whether you like them or not you, you can't help but admire that essentially they're making music for video you know that that if I'm honest it's like Michael Jackson's greatest edition was in choreography not music and um and Duran Duran's greatest edition was probably in video rather than music yeah. as well they start with the video in, in mind you start with a live performance in mind yeah because I think we because um our manager Gareth like arranges a lot of gigs, so gigs are kind of a priority at sometimes. Obviously not at the moment, but um, studio time can be quite expensive, so that's usually like a along the line. Um, but most of the time, me and Toby will be quite ambitious with what we write, and then we're like, oh, how are we actually going to perform this now? And that's when we sort of talk to the other boys and try and figure out a way of doing it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And what did you, you know, with, with this one in mind, with this track in mind, which is beautiful. What did you want it to sound? No, I'm going to change that question. How did you want people to feel after they'd, they'd heard the song? I think I wanted people to feel like really psyched up, which isn't something I usually want to get across in a song. Usually I just try and make people cry, but this time I wanted <laughs> to make people like feel really amped up and like, um, like, cause the whole song is about like fighting apathy and the feeling that we get when we just want to disengage from stuff cause it's stressful. And I wanted to kind of, make a song that fought that feeling and made people want to engage with stuff again 
And that was driven by the fact that we, we just entered lockdown and, and you want you wanted to kind of kick it and, and, and wake wake people up. Yeah. Is it was there any political agenda in I'm not asking you to nail your colours to a mast here, but was there any political agenda in there? Yeah, so um there's a lot of the I was also sort of getting frustrated with people who thought it was really edgy or cool to not care about stuff. But then there was also, I think in the second verse, I say um, your sisters and your daughters. And that was like deliberately in reference to a lot of times when a woman specifically is like a victim of like violence. People will say, oh, well, like imagine that was your sister or your daughter to get people to care. And I feel like you shouldn't have to jump through all these hoops of trying to get someone to relate to a person to get them to just simply care about them and, you know, do the bare minimum so that was what that lyric was about but but i, th I think i mean you, you're right it's crazy that we have to play these linguistic games to do it and there's a there's a really great video i think it's actually for someone like dove um about it's about it's about massage it's called run like a girl it's really worth watching makes you cry and um and there's one young kid in there who says you know throw like a girl and he just kind of goes yeah. and drops it and the interviewer says you know what are you saying about girls and he said uh, I don't know. He said, well, it sounds to me like you're not being very nice about girls or m maybe about your sister. And he says, well, no, not my sister. Yeah. Just girls. <laughs> <laughs> and so although it's a clumsy thing, it's, it's a clumsy construct, I guess for some people it's really needed to shift. To yeah, shift 100%. Their thinking on. And, and, and where's your writing gone over that? You know, we've seen this incredible year of, of obviously frustration and, and sitting in, in discomfort quietly. But we've also seen Black Lives Matter and we've also seen the, the in, incredible and sad events that have unfurled after... Um, the police murder of a young woman, or the police yeah. murder, sorry, the murder of a young woman by a serving policeman. Um, ha has that influenced where you're headed? Has that, has that stopped your creativity? How, how as a band do you begin to talk about these things in order to give you inspiration? Um, that's interesting, because I think um, a lot of the writing at the, begin bleh, bleh, the beginning of the pandemic was... Um, about the pandemic because um my girlfriend's dad passed away kind of this time last year actually from covid so a lot of my writing was focused on that for a while because it was just that kind of overwhelmed all the other sort of emotions of everything that's going on and then more recently um because me and me and toby we are in contact all the time we play video games every day and we go on discord and we chat all the time so we're still able to sort of keep in contact and get our ideas out but um more recently, I think the fact uh, ever since Big Now, we kind of uh, feel like we can do more with the music and rather than just putting out acoustic tracks. We feel like once the pandemic's over, over or whatever happens there, um, we can just take things even further and not feel restricted by our writing. Because both me and Toby, we have logic on our computers so we can pass ideas back and forth. And because we've had so much time to do that, we've just had all this space to kind of think bigger i guess that's amazing thank you and uh, just to finish off i'm going to go with the same three questions that i ask everyone because because it's become like a ceremony now um your childhood i mean tell me you're frighteningly young anyway right you know you're barely out of school um <laughs> tell me what your <laughs> tell me what your childhood um, tasted like smelt like and sounded like um so i think in terms of smelt like my mum did a lot of baking when I was little so I think that's one of the main things I remember um so probably like a lot of vanilla and um cakey smells love that 
Um, tasted like probably also my mum's baking. Gotta be. What was the other one? Tasted sounded like. like. Sounded like. Um, so I have. Uh, I briefly lived in Mozambique when I was uh, nine till when I was eleven. And I went to this American international school in the city center. And it's weird because obviously I, most of my childhood was in England, but the things I really vividly remember were um, just being in the playground and just hearing all the sounds of the city and like the trees and all of that stuff. So probably that. And how did that, how, how did that sound? What did that, how did that sound different to, to where we are, to where you grew up when you, when you were before you went and when you came back, what was the defen- defining difference there? I think like because I'm from just a very small village in Hamel Hempstead and it's a very quiet place but um in Mozambique it was just always just so much life around you and like the sounds of cars beeping and like I'd never lived in a city before so it was just like a really different experience amazing thank you and thank you for for everything that you do um Sarah you've been we've been really fortunate to have you perform at the very first communion and um you went down so well people really loved it and and we loved it and thank you for for all of that and thank you for keeping going throughout this period you know it's um can't be easy hit me up okay if you made it this far thanks for listening you can check out more information about reasons to be cheerful at reasons to be cheerful.co.uk and you can check out more information about what we do at blender at blendermusic.co.uk